Catch new episodes of Dial the Gate weekends at youtube.com slash dialthegate. And for the latest schedule, visit dialthegate.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 225 of Dial the Gate. My name is David Reed. You are watching the Stargate Oral History Project. Reese Thompson, who played Jinto in Stargate Atlantis, uh, the pilot episode Rising and in Hide and Seek, is joining us for this episode. He's going to tell us a little about uh, his time on the show and his career and his life. But before we bring him in, if you enjoy Stargate and you want to see more content like this available on YouTube, click that like button. It makes a difference with the algorithm and will help the show continue to grow its audience. Please also consider sharing this video with a Stargate friend, and if you want to get notified about future episodes, click the subscribe icon. And giving the bell icon a click will notify you the moment a new video drops in. You'll get my notifications of any last-minute guest changes. And clips from this live stream will be, released, will be released over the course of the next few weeks on both the Dial the Gate and GateWorld.net YouTube channels. As this is a live show, uh, if you are in the YouTube chat, go ahead and submit questions to the moderators uh, for Reese. They'll hand them over to me, and I'll ask some of them uh, from him in the uh, second half of the show. In the meantime, uh, we're going to get to know each other a little. Reese Thompson, who played Jinto in Stargate Atlantis. Welcome, sir. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Where are you right now? Where are you? I'm up? in Santa Clarita, California. Okay. Yeah. All right. So are, are, you, are you WGA? Or excuse me, are you, are you SAG? I am okay, and I'm not WGA, but I'm like doing a lot more writing now. Okay, All so right. yeah, has it been just Wish wild watching everything unfold? Oh, it's been nice. Yeah. Well, yeah, because like we don't get breaks, you know, a lot of times. So it's like it's like you're always on a break, but you're also never on a break. So I've learned to take the breaks when they come. Right. So um, I think the strikes are necessary, and like. Yeah. I'm hopeful about the, you know, the results. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I'm enjoying time off. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Have you um, rewatched the show? Have you uh, seen uh, Stargate since the episode it aired? And I mean, I'm curious to see what your thoughts are about looking back on your 15 year old self. Okay. I don't know if I ever watched it. Like, I remember seeing, like, one of the episodes maybe like when it was on my dad is a pretty big stargate fan okay. so like, he really liked sg1 a lot so i watched that with him um and uh, i really liked the movie a lot and uh so like when i booked it i remember my dad was pretty excited about it and so he like would come to set with me and, and it was cool to work with uh uh robert patrick oh yeah the, you know because like we knew of him from Terminator and stuff, so. Absolutely, no. And he had yeah. a stint in the X-Files for a while up there, too. Uh, right, did... yeah. I was too young for that, I think. I didn't really, like... Oh, yeah, this is true. I, I should get into the X-Files now, I think. Yeah. I keep It still holds up. You you want to talk about an interesting fan base, an interesting community. There's They are oh, passionate 
and some of them very paranoid group of people. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So did you always know that you wanted to act? Was this your idea? Was this something your folks pushed you into? Where did it uh, – I was just kind of doing it already. Like, okay. I was like um, – every time I watched a movie or something, I would become that character for a while. So like my parents had to screen movies for me because they knew that they'd yeah. have to deal with whatever character was in that movie for the next little while. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I was just kind of doing it. And then my parents are both teachers. Oh. So in the summertime, they started doing uh, background acting. And then I went to set with them at one point and was just like, oh, I didn't know you could get paid to play pretend. Like, that's what I, that's what I like doing. I was never, like, bad in school, but I just didn't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So it was, like, always, like, oh, recess is, like, my time to, like, go and, like, be creative. And it was always that. It was always, like, you know, me and my friends be Power Rangers or <laughs> X-Men or whatever. And then... And I was like, oh, I can do that and get paid to do that. That's pretty fucking cool. So that's kind of where I like. Is there yeah. a So role? my parents introduced okay. it to me, but then I was like, wanted it. Okay. So you just, um, you, you continue to pursue. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting that the paths that our, that our parents help set us on. I, I know my father always wanted me to be a, uh, uh, a pilot like him, he's a helicopter pilot, and right. there there are certain things that I just wasn't in love with it. But I lo- I share his love for motorcycles, so mm-hmm. you know there's there are certain ways that we like find uh, connections with our folks, and, and sometimes it's in the work, and sometimes it's just yeah. the personal life if we're lucky at all. So, well, maybe if it was spaceships that your dad was flying, you'd be there, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> well, it's his interest in sci-fi that got me interested. So I guess there's that. Oh, so really? That's a pretty oh, big yeah. deal. Yeah. What is he? What's his like? Uh, what is he like? In terms of science fiction? Yeah. He's a he's a big he's a big Star Trek fan. Classic Star Trek. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. My dad likes Star Trek to uh, Next Generation. Yep. I think, right? That's the one with Picard. That's it, yeah. And, and Battlestar uh, Galactica more recently. So Galactica oh, yeah. was a good show. I don't um, think my dad watches much sci-fi anymore, but he definitely, like, when I was a kid, was, like, big into Star Trek, Stargate. Um, you know, he wasn't, like, a fanboy or anything. Like, he didn't have, like, he didn't buy merch or anything. But he definitely, like, th- those were the shows that he would gravitate towards, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's stuff that you can watch on the surface and enjoy, but also mm-hmm. you you can come back to it as an adult and go, "Whoa, I didn't see that at all." And some yeah. of this stuff is more relevant now than it was, you know, which is oh, wild. Like in uh, Star Trek, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah, several episodes of Stargate, where there was you know, we're they're talking about artificial intelligence and how it interfaces with humanity and all these topics that we, you know, will continually have to deal with as we move, you know, down the timeline, but uh, it's certainly not going to be boring. Well, you know how uh, Gene Roddenberry came up with it, right? He was a beat cop in Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. And And then, so he kind of like came up with his ideal version of society, which Mm -hmm. there's no money and, and all that so everyone just does what they're what they're meant to do you know right so is there a role um that that you took on that that pushed you in ways that you didn't anticipate or or challenged you in ways that you didn't expect or 
um, just um, made you interface yeah. with the material in a way that was just like, wow, this was great. Or wow, that was, yeah, oof. I did this when I was 16, I got my first, uh, like, uh, American project and it was called rocket science. And I had to learn how to have a stuttering problem. And that was the lead of a feature film for the first time. And so, yeah, that definitely pushed me and also changed my perspective on what acting could be. Because, like, before that, I was just, like, excited to be there. I was just happy to be on set and have a job and everything. But then once I did that, I was like, oh, this could actually mean something, you know? Wow. Anna Kendrick. Yeah. Wow. Is there, um, when you look back on on, uh, your your body of work, um, are there any uh, people in particular that have... uh, that you have worked with that have stood out to you over the years as kind of like signposts to, um, to imitate or something that you took away from another performer or some, perhaps someone behind the camera who, um, who helped to influence you in ways that you didn't necessarily anticipate years later. Uh, yeah. So in rocket science, there's this guy, uh, Vincent Piazza, who's like really great actor. He's like one of the best actors I've ever worked with. And he um, he went on to play Lucky Luciano on Boardwalk Empire and stuff like that. But he was like, he just was like, he had like, he wanted to change his appearance so much. Which is like, I like doing that too, but he like took it to another level. And it was just like really cool to see. And I worked with him a second time because I recommended him to the director of a movie called Assassination of a High School President. And he got hired for that. And again, like totally, you know, just a chameleon, just like really cool. And like, that's kind of what I wanted to do. So it was like having him around, uh, like inspired me a lot. Um, I worked with this guy, uh, Logan Huffman on uh, this movie, Final Girl. And uh, he was like a very eccentric guy. And he was very into like vaudeville and like, dancing and like all this physical stuff and uh that was really like i took a lot from him which was really cool and you know he's now since moved to australia so i don't get to talk to him as much anymore but yeah um trying to think of who else um yeah i mean those are the two that come to mind if i think of anybody else i'll I'll bring it up do you have any memories from dream capture uh yeah yeah i do i want i remember it was the first time i had deep fried turkey (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah all right so it was great they deep fried a whole turkey and then we had sandwich like like rolls and you'd eat it with the roll it was really good (laughs) was this craft service yeah it was like um (laughs) i guess like a snack it wasn't like the it wasn't lunch i don't think but yeah it was really good if you haven't had it um yeah and uh i remember like uh remember at one point there was a line that we were gonna use from uh star wars or something like that like a little dream catcher yeah yeah like i can't remember what the line was in specifically but i just remember uh lawrence kasdan being like uh I don't know if we'll get in trouble for using that line, but fuck it. I wrote it. So Right, exactly. <laughs> the dude yeah. wrote it. Jeez, yeah. that's funny. Rocket yeah. science, uh, 
did you find any um elevation in terms of responsibility in terms of what is expected of you as a lead in a film that uh was was different from from previous gigs was um i don't know was was your conduct more monitored or you know just was your conduct more monitored or were you expected to do x y or z you know what what was what was different about that film for you um in terms of like my preparation yeah not really like i was i'm was always like uh professional and you know had my lines down Mm -hmm. and everything before but um I think that was the first time that I didn't really work with my mom because my mom was always there to like read lines with me and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But I had a uh, like a coach to help me with the stutter who was actually like a speech pathologist. So she was thought it was amusing that she was teaching me how to stutter and not how not to. So um, but uh, yeah, so I had that to work with. And then there, we did rehearsals and everything like that. So by the time we got there it was you know everything was pretty everyone was ready to go ready to shoot and i like i like doing rehearsals and that was the first time i had kind of done them i think because usually on in television they don't have time for that right no you so, have to you have to jump in and go um, yeah what was that like taking on a different speech pattern you know i mean you you've clearly got someone on the set who's who's there to help you, you know, yeah. portray it accurately. Well, she was only there but... in the preparation. She wasn't oh, there on oh, set. Oh, okay. But, yeah. But um, uh, it was hard to drop it. I was yeah. going to ask. Did, you, did it get stuck? It was. Yeah. No, no. It, it went away eventually. But, um, but yeah, no, it's interesting because it's like people who stutter, they know what words they're going to stutter on. So you work around it. So I would actually go through the script and I would find words. Like I would see the stutters were written into the script, but I would look, I would think about the alternative to what, like to what I was trying to say that I, I couldn't say. And then, so it was like a lot It's more mental than anything. Right. I think a lot of times people think like a stutter is like, and it's like, it can be, but like, if you know that you're going to block like that on a word, you can work around it. So, mm-hmm. cause you're trying to get an idea across and there's more than one, yeah, there's exactly. more than one set of words to do it, but yeah. yeah. Wow. That would have been just such a trip. Jeez. Tell me about, <laughs> um, uh, so your, your dad was excited that you landed, that you landed Atlantis. It was yeah. brand new show, a spinoff of an existing show. Tell me about, uh, the process for getting the pilot and 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 filming that. I if don't you mind. remember. You don't. <laughs> I don't remember getting. Like I don't remember auditioning and stuff. Okay. Um, just gonna grab another drink, but I'll, sure, I'll be right here. Um, but um, but yeah, I remember like uh, I hated my haircut. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, I mean. My memory of that time is like pretty fuzzy, but I do remember like I think was Joe Joe Flanagan was like a was like a pro skater before, right? He uh that Am is I entirely pro- possible because he was definitely on his skateboard all the time. So. Yeah, I think he was I mean, I'm pretty sure he told me that he was a pro skater before. Okay. Or like he was like at least a big skater. Yeah. Um and then he had this skateboard. Mm-hmm. 
that I think he invented called a sports stick because he told me I think he had a skate shop or something. I may be totally wrong about all this. Um, but he had this skateboard that was like shaped kind of like a fish shape and um the trucks would go like almost completely uh vertical so i was just on that all day long because <laughs> <laughs> it was like it like worked like a surfboard almost which was wow. like and i was never like a big like skater or anything but i loved that thing and i kept trying to find one and i couldn't find one in anywhere wow. so it's tragic <laughs> well it's good it's good that you have those memories you know th- oh no it, it's just tragic that i could never find one and then you know live up to my skating potential <laughs> i've i saw i saw it it's I, or i saw one um it was just it was so like it was unlike any any board i had yeah. ever seen before uh in in, yeah. the, in just in terms of its, its shape uh but uh man that guy could that guy could get around on that thing um yeah. and uh yeah well, Absolutely. So, any uh, any memories of working with Robert Patrick or uh, or uh, Christopher no, Heyerdahl? I, remember, like, I have like some, yeah, yeah. Chris Heyerdahl was really cool. I've like, you know, he's like from Vancouver, or he's not from Vancouver, I don't think, but you know, I'd see him around. Mm-hmm. So, like, he's always a super cool dude. Um, yeah, I mean. I feel like I have more questions for you. <laughs> sure. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's um it. I'm uh you're you're setting up uh this the second of what would ultimately be three um very long running and and profitable television series. Uh was there Wait, There's a third one? Yeah, Stargate Universe. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Was there any kind of pressure at all to get this right, or were you just were you just going and doing your job and having and having fun? Well, I mean, yeah, I think that's why they got rid of me. Because, uh, <laughs> well, I think like because S- because Atlantis was diff- so different from SG One, where they were not on Earth, they right. were on this other planet, and I think uh, like the fans didn't like that uh the tribal like the those characters the ethosians in the beginning yeah i think it like you know they had to do some you know mixing around of cast and stuff like that to get the right balance of it but like i think they were sort of setting up uh hired all in my characters of being bigger on the show and people didn't want that like family aspect which which people like fans or or production? There's the what is the name of the race that we're part of? The Athosians. The Athosians, yeah. So like I think, like from what I understand, the fans at in the beginning didn't want them there. Interesting. They wanted it to be more. I remember reading like message boards, really, and fans being like, "Get them out of there!" <laughs> like we just want the you know the soldier characters and. So they had to kind of like find the right balance of like yeah. how that worked to make everybody happy, I think. And I think they just didn't want like a kid running around. I they just weren't interested in that. I never did get that impression. It, I mean, it may have been I production I after the fact because it's like it was only the first three episodes, and then they kind of like 
it just moved on. They moved on from that. But yeah, I mean, like there was a lot of mixing around of cast in that first, right? Like for sure. Rainbow Rain- left, right? Yeah. You know why Rainbow left? Uh, it's, it's- so he is unsure specifically. I can only guess that it, it had something to do with the character just not working. See, that's, um, that's what I'm guessing too for myself. Yeah. And then, yeah. And those, I mean, there, there are, there are practical matters that casting is purely subjective and whether or not a character yeah. is working is purely subjective. And sometimes, you know, uh, the perfectly, you know, good actors get the ax and, you know, there's totally, there's only there's only so much that can be done about that because the ingredients that have been put into the pot to make the thing work, they have to work as a group. They can't work just individually. Yeah. Um, in fact, I would say that it's not subjective because it's like, I don't know if you've ever watched. Have you ever watched uh, Parks and Rec? I watched the whole thing. Okay, so you know the first season of that show is is it, there's something about it that just doesn't really work. There's a couple of the ca- cast that that went out that that left, and then you had Chris Pratt, who was a guest star who became regular. Yeah. Oh, okay. But it was really that uh, there was one guy in the mix uh-huh. who's a great actor, Paul Schneider. Yep. That for some reason, it just affected the whole dynamic. Um, he's a great actor, but he just didn't fit. And I think, yeah, the same thing with me on the show. It was just like I wasn't the right fit, and uh, so it didn't work. I'm really sorry that you feel that way. That 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 that's okay. That it's makes okay. me feel bad. Um, it's kind of <laughs> that's like the, that's the business, though. It's not that I feel that way. It's we were paying attention to like what right. the fans were saying, and and they weren't. They didn't want. It. They didn't want me there. Well, I mean, <laughs> so the okay. first. Most of those episodes were were filmed before. I mean, anyone got the the a first look at the show. Um, but at at yeah, the I don't know how, but we could we could. I think it was that. I think they shot the pilot and like everything, and then like they started shooting the other episodes, and then they released them. I know it was like close. Yeah. Yeah, the, well, it, the production, I mean, they spun up in, like, February or March, and the show was airing by August, September. Um, okay. And when I was up there uh, in August, September for a convention at the same time, the same week that Atlantis was dropping, the visual effects people were working on, at that point, episodes 10 and 11. So that had been right. shot. But, uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting. And you, t- another example, take a look at Eric Stoltz in Back to the Future. Oh, know? yeah, yeah, totally. I mean... Uh, uh, he was good in it. A He's just perfectly dark. good actor uh, who had uh, some, I think, some really interesting ideas about the about yeah. the story. But that's not what that story was, you know. Yeah, and it would that would his ideas would have been perfectly good in a in a different film. But it's it's this, it's a hammed up comedy, you know. It just didn't yeah. work, and then they got Michael back. So, you know, it's that's. That's interesting. Yeah, it's just the nature of the game, and I I don't have like any like animosity about it. Yeah, I went on to do other things. Yeah, you know, and and I'm happy with the way things went. So, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, it's um, yeah, you you win some, you lose some, and and you do the work that you can, and you know, you move forward. So, um, yeah, uh, Lockwood. You know that I am Jinto became a thing in Vancouver, though. Like, I am Jinto. <laughs> I worked with a guy. I worked with a guy who said he was like a third camera assistant, so he would mark the actors and stuff. And he's like, kind of a funny guy, 
a bald guy like had a very like he's funny sense of humor and he was like yeah i've had so many nicknames he goes they used to call me jinto and i was like i am jinto <laughs> he's like what i'm like that's me i was like i said that but he was like got it was like on other shows he was oh that's jinto. wild yeah man oh yeah so, like, i do remember that scene. On. yeah she's pleased to meet you <laughs> yeah <laughs> I have got some fan questions for you. Lockwatcher wants to know: um, uh, Did anything about that uh, crew or even that set surprise you? It's quite an operation. Uh, did anything surprise me? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty cool. Like, I wonder if that was the first time I've been on like a set like that. Because it was, yeah, it was a pretty cool set. Um, might have been the first time I was on a set like that. Um, but yeah, another thing is that um, the I forget the girl's name, Rachel Luttrell, Who's, Taylor. Is that her name? Yeah, she uh, she was training in Kali. Like her character used these Kali sticks. So then I started doing it too because it was like the stunt coordinator was there, and like when she was on set and training, I would, I would train with him and stuff. James Bamford. Yeah. I was getting ready. I was getting ready. I was preparing to, you know, (laughs) become a man on the show, but you know, (laughs) did you know that there are, um, Stargate novels that feature the character? No, that's cool. Yeah. And as an adult, um, there, there is, is one or two. I was reading it here. Let me pull this up. That's so cool. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, I haven't managed to read all of the novels. I've read a few of them, but um, in terms uh, – there's one story. You may get a kick out of this. A short story from Stargate Atlantis Far Horizons. A future Jinto returned through time to the Battle <laughs> of Atlantis at the end of Season 1. As part Sweet, of it – Like Enzo from Reboot. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, to, sent to ensure Dr. Zelenka survives to repair the control chair in time to save the city. So, yeah. So, he's about 20 years distant. Jinto has grown up and has a PhD in mechanical engineering from an unnamed university on Earth. He apparently developed a bond with Zelenka. And uh, on Earth, he goes by the name Dr. Hollingson. Nice. <laughs> so, his fans do, you know, they take... That, that's the thing that I love about fandom is uh, yeah. they take content that was that was set in place uh, on the show and they bring it new life in in works of fiction, in novels, uh, in a number of different um, a number of different mediums. So you guys yeah, you guys kind of live on forever in one way or another. Yeah, of course, of course. It's wild. Uh, I've got uh, Timmy the Squirrel here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, excuse me, Timmy that squirrel. Uh what was there any um uh did Stargate have any kind of impact on on your life from the work that you did there or was it just this is the job that I'm working on this week? Uh hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it had I mean, I'm sure it did. Mm-hmm. Like everything does, but like uh, I don't know. I just remember having a lot of fun. It was very fun, like, because, you know, it was, like, everybody was running around with guns and, like, you know, playing soldier and stuff. 
And then I was kind of doing that as the character trying to emulate my heroes in the show. So, yeah, I just remember it being a lot of fun. Everybody's happy to be there because it's the beginning of the show. So, like, everybody's, like, you know, happy to have a job. And so it was a very, like, good environment, good energy to be around. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And also, like, people who – who and because my dad being a fan of SG-1 and, like, him being very excited to be there. And so it was, like, there's a lot of, like, good energy just around the entire project. Yeah, they. I remember uh, when the show launched, uh, and uh, how much anticipation there was in this thing that you guys were uh, creating. There were a lot of people who had a lot writing on it, and it was a departure from SG One in terms of it was more action oriented, um, mm. and it had uh, a broader like visual effects scope. And it kind of like opened up the world um, uh, in ways that uh, that fans didn't really expect. And there's there's some divide on this in, in terms uh, right down to this day in terms of you know uh, uh, what type of show uh, that it was it was trying to be because every season had almost like a different style. But I think that's kind of what I was talking about with like my character kind of not him being pushed out mm. because they weren't sure what it was. They mm -hmm. wanted to make it different from SG-1, but they weren't mm -hmm. sure how, and so they were kind of experimenting with it, right? Um, so, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, General Maximus uh, wanted to know, uh, you were one of the first people to experience the Atlantis set. I, I kind of already asked you about this in terms of like the production value, um, but that's Stargate. And those corridors and the lighting, I mean, I as a kid, I would have just been in awe of that space, you know, especially the room where the gate the gate room was in. What um, yeah. what is it? Is it is it easier to get into character when you're enveloped in a kind of environment like that? Or are you busy kind of sucking all the detail in and, and it's like, well, that's right. I need to do my job while I'm here. <laughs> no, it's, it's so much easier. Like, I don't know how like these you know, Marvel actors do that with, like, all the green screen and stuff. It's like, I'm like, I mean, you can do it, obviously. Like, it's not, uh, but it's like, I've heard, like, from actors like that saying how they pictured it one way and then it was completely different when they saw the final product. And they're like, I was picturing the wrong thing, you know? And sometimes that was because they told them it was going to look like this, but then they changed it to something else. So I definitely think, like, having the practical set makes mm. our jobs a lot easier. And it's, like, way more fun because it gives you things to actually look at. And and it's not, like, a tennis ball or it's not, like, <laughs> people are looking in the wrong, like, you know, you have to make sure everyone's looking at the right thing at the right time. It's, right. like, it's all there, you know? So. What do you think about this this move in visual effects, especially toward technology like the volume where you're literally enveloped in a space now in front of these giant monitors uh it's got to be extremely well, freeing oh, as oh a you mean like the um the uh L the LED lcd screen. the led walls yeah 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 uh those are awesome those are great i've actually tested them out and uh they're really cool yeah it's a game changer absolutely to have just but this, I, yeah mm-hmm 
I was gonna say, I think there's also like a move happening towards practical effects, also, especially with like AI technology coming out. Like, I just watched a fan film the other day where it was like a post credit scene of Andrew Garfield's Spider Man with like uh, Spider Gwen or whatever, and they can totally like you know, face swap those actors onto other actors and put them in the world of, you know, Spider-Man and stuff. Um, So what I think is cool about that is that it makes fan films and it makes indie projects go up to the level of a Marvel movie. So it's like, if we can make a Marvel movie or make something that's on the scale of a Marvel movie for like, not 300 you know million dollars or however many much it costs um then the studios are going to be forced to start doing things with practical effects again and they have been doing that the new dungeons and dragons movie had a lot of practical effects i think also doctor strange did a lot of like practical Mm. effects um so i think that like People, you know, people respond to it they're like, oh, wow, that's a real thing. And it's like cool to see. I also think with the advancement in animatronics as well, um, <clears throat> my girlfriend and I just went to uh, Disneyland and we, I don't know if you've been to the Star Wars world. Oh, yeah. Do they have Spray. Baby Yoda yet? I don't know. Oh, okay. The animatronics are insane. Grogu, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we, on the Star Wars ride, there was an animatronic that I was like, at first I thought it was an actor. So I think that like, I want to see more of that. I want to see more of that in like the big movies and more animatronics, more real effects and stuff. And I think that will set the studio pictures apart from Mm -hmm. the, uh, from the fan made indie projects that are coming out. It's, it's absolutely wild. The stuff that's in the, especially rise of the resistance. Um, yeah, there's there are there are. Oh, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. Actors yeah. have been replaced by animatronics in in some of these uh, sequences. The the cars go into the bridge of the of yeah. the the destroyer, and there's there's people up there that are moving and talking, but it's they're robots. <laughs> yeah, but they're not replaced. They're not replaced. That's though, true. If you go into some of the older rides, they still have. They're all the parts of the Caribbean. It's all animatronics. You know. That's true. So it's not re- it's not replacing anybody. That's just what you know. It's that's a what fa- yeah. Do. One hasn't yeah. been substituted. That's that's in fact that's that ride actually had some of the most actors of, on it. Mm-hmm. There was there was generals that came in and stuff like that. So that that ride actually had more actors than a lot of the rides because you have to have people uh, moved around. Uh, so yeah, it's lot to control the crowds and, and keep the story yeah. moving and acting. So yeah, yeah, it's it's one of the most amazing things that I've ever experienced. And anyone who gets the chance, yeah, to definitely. Do it. I was like that that you were talking about the scope of the Atlantis set that the scope of that ride blew my blew my mind. It uses every trick in Disney's book, you know, in right. terms of everything that they've learned over over sixty seventy years of of ride making is is executed in you know fifteen minutes, um, yeah. and yeah, it's just it's absolutely wild. So, yeah, Tracy wanted to know in your free time what genre do you prefer to watch or read or play? Uh, well, I actually because I'm uh, I write, so I actually have a website now that I've created my own like my own universe okay and um it's uh based off of 
Marvel and DC and I've just kind of reverse engineered the whole format of that because they never planned on these characters ever interacting with one another, right? They were creating standalone characters and individual stories and then eventually they decided to combine them. So in a sense, it's kind of a mess because it's like everybody has like a different thing from a different, you know, like Thor's hammer is made out of a different metal than Captain America's shield. And so is, you know, Wolverine's claws, even though they're all kind of the same thing. So adamantium, vibranium uh, or something. Can you, before you start sharing that, adamantium, can you share the website with me so I can see it? Yeah, it's called the, it's called the press guardian dot com okay and uh yeah so the storyline is that it's not revealed on the website but the backstory is that the asteroid that wiped out the dinosaurs brought this element to earth that then created all of these beings like with different abilities and so um i broke down every type of like superhero into six types so you have human mutant ai et mystic and uh freak a freak is like if you get your powers from a freak accident or like a medical experiment or something like that news from another uh, universe is this it yeah yeah this is cool man thanks yeah i've been using a lot of like once the ai art came out it kind of like the technology caught up with where i was at because i was always having a hard time i was like i don't know what to do with this like how to do it as a comic book or you know, all this stuff. So then once uh, Mid Journey came out, I was able to actually create everything myself. Yeah, this is, this is, this is, I think, what um, the frontier of creativity looks like, where we use um, artificial intelligence to help illustrate uh, the ideas that are in uh, our head. I love this one. Yeah. Mollusk, the champion of peace, a transformative act in troubled times. You got this alien looking creature standing on the ground, surrounded by surrounded by police. This is Yeah, so he's the first ever pacifist superhero. Wow. And he's also the first mutant in my universe. So Oh wow. His backstory is that he was a caterpillar forming a chrysalis when the uh asteroid hit. And then a fragment of a morphite, which is my element, got into his chrysalis. And then he evolved into like a humanoid and then crawled his way out of the earth and then joined society. And wow. uh, yeah. Wow. So these are are these done like like uh, newsreels in terms of like, yeah, um, I'm just doing it like news in the world then, of, of this world. Yeah. So and then I'm working on the next article I'm working on right now is like about uh an ultra marathon sprint which okay. is like um it's gonna be uh, i'm gonna do it as an article but i'm gonna use it to pitch a game as well which is a racing game where uh they're running okay dude this is really cool i'm gonna share this uh in uh our uh our video feed so i'm going to, to publish awesome. this That's and great. um if anyone wants to find out more information about that, uh, they can click it in the description below. By the time uh, by the time they watch uh, this, and the in the uh, I know we're live right now, but people will pick it up later. That's really awesome. So okay, so how yeah. far are you away from 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 developing the game? Uh, I just kind of uh, like I came up. I'm not like a programmer or anything yeah. like that. So I'm gonna put the article out and then use that to you know send to somebody and. Try and find somebody to make it for me. 
Absolutely. That's legit, yeah, man. With me. So the frontier for creativity is approaching boundlessness. You know, as yeah. long as you have uh, the right people and you can find them anywhere online in terms of yeah. in terms of hooking up with someone who has your a similar creative taste and and a direction that you want to go in. Um, yeah, who you can pretty Maybe much pull anything listening off. Who Absolutely. So yeah. can they reach you through this uh, through this portal at the Press yeah. Guardian? Yeah. Okay, cool, man. Absolutely. Yeah. This is great. Well, Reese, um, it has been uh, really awesome to, to have you on and to, to explore uh, your creativity as a person a little bit. I'm, I'm really thankful that you brought this, uh, this website up. I'm going to go down the <laughs> rabbit hole here and, and read some of these. <laughs> nice, nice. It's so important to have, you know, a, a creative outlet where you can, like, sink kind of your, your creative juices into because – Sometimes it's like, especially with everything that we've been going through in the past couple of years here, it's like, we've got to do something, you know, Yeah, we've all been hunkered down. So, absolutely. All right, brother. Well, I I appreciate you you coming on and sharing this. Yeah, thank uh, you so much. I appreciate your time. Thank you. I'm going to go ahead and and wrap up the the show on this end here. But uh, thank you again for stopping by. Yeah, of course. Be well, Reese. You too. Reese Thompson, Jinto in Stargate uh, Atlantis. I am Jinto. This was really cool. I am Jinto. Um, there is a, a lot here. So uh, if you are in the chat, if you're in the YouTube chat, you can go ahead and uh, and follow the link uh, over to thepressguardian.com. And I will go ahead and put uh, a link to that in the uh, description below we've got a number of shows coming up for you on dial the gate as we move into the last month of season three in production i hope that you've enjoyed the the content that we've been putting out over these uh, extra four months as we've extended the show i certainly enjoyed making it but i'm ready for a break so that's the direction that uh that we're going to be heading here. So my appreciation to my moderating uh, team, Tracy, uh, Anthony, Jeremy, Reese, uh, Summer. Uh, you guys are the best. You guys make the show possible. My archivist team, they're doing a wonderful job transcribing the show right now. Uh, we've got uh, a number of interesting episodes coming up for you. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing them with you. My producer, Linda Gategaber Fury, and my uh, web developer, uh, Frederick Marku at Concepts Web. He keeps Dial the Gate up and running. Stick around on Dial the Gate because we've got more heading your way for October. My name is David Reed, and I'll see you on the other side. Dial the Gate is hosted and executive produced by David Reed. The producer is Darren Sumner, co-produced by Linda Fury. The composer is Neil Acree. Animations by Bryce Ors. The production assistant is Jennifer Kirby. Moderators include Summer Roy, Keith Homel, Tracy Noller, Jeremy Heiner, Reese M., and Anthony Rowling. Logo design by Deborah J. Bell. Additional effects by Thomas Tots, with contributions by model makers Chris Baker, Stephen Barr, Kevin Zabo, and Tom Paris. The archivists are Linda Fury, Zachary Adams, and Fred Eric Marcoux. For general inquiries for submissions, please contact us at dialthegateshow at gmail.com. Visit our website for the upcoming schedule, as well as an archive of our past episodes at dialthegate.com.